Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Yo, what up, Pizza Kid Potters? Sky and Bobby back with you for another episode of the Game of the Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, aka PCK Pod. This is episode 410. Today we are breaking down the NFC West studs, duds, breakouts, and sleepers. We finally get to kind of put our mark on some of these players and take some stances here uh, as we're getting later in the summer here. We're now in mid-July. We're getting to the next couple of weeks. August really signifies heavy draft season, but the fantasy football season kind of kicks off universally with the Scott Fishbowl, which had just uh, got underway here the last two weeks. I'm wrapping up my league finally. Uh, 22 rounds. It's taken about two weeks here, so I'm down the, the, the finish line. With my league, I'll recap that whole roster another time when we get done here. But uh, Bobby, we're in the we're in the heat of it right now. We got a couple weeks until August, and this is our first opportunity this year to start putting some labels on some guys, and you know, kind of explain studs and duds, uh, kind of a generic term, but let them know like what parameters we're using to signify studs and duds, and then also where we're labeling breakouts and sleepers as well for this division today. Well, Scott, it's good to have you back with me. I mean, I'm so, I'm tired of hosting without you. It's not fun. <laughs> it's good to have, be back together. I, I just want to let the fans know that I realized me and Sky weren't doing enough podcasts together. So I said, we got to do an episode together, studs and duds and breakouts and values. And that's why we're here today talking about the NFC West. So basically how we break it down is simple. A dud and a stud were categorized as players that are going in routes one through five. So the players that we love in the NFC West that are going in rounds one through five are going to be studs and players going in rounds one through five are that we don't like are duds. Then we value breakouts as anybody from round six to 10. Now I understand that some of these guys might have been decent last year and they might've had a breakout quote unquote season, but they're still not being uh, valued in fantasy drafts as a stud. So we call them the breakout area. Finally, we're going to touch about sleepers, which is rounds 11 to 15. And those are typically your, these are guys you're typically going to see drafted in every league that we think are going to have some value this season. And then finally, me and Sky are going to talk about deep sleepers, probably deeper league finds. Maybe if you have a deeper bench, maybe if you're in a best ball league, here's some guys that we like that are going outside the top 180 or top 15 rounds of the 12 team league. And those are the guys we're going to highlight last. Excellent. And we're going to do this for each division. We are spending uh, July and a little bit of August to break down our team previews. Um, last week we had, uh, Lucas Kaser, who's been a longtime co-host of the podcast, taking some time off, uh, this, this year, uh, hopefully he'll be back in a couple of weeks, but, um, he brought on the Broncos. I broke down the Raiders and then Bobby, you had our good friend, Joe Volpe, AKA fantasy football analyst to come on and you guys broke down the chiefs and the chargers last week. So listeners, if you haven't yet tune back, uh, the last two episodes and you can catch those. And, uh, today we are breaking down again, kind of kicking off this week, which is going to be the NFC West and, uh, the next couple of shows, we will have special guests on breaking down the 49ers, Rams, Seahawks, and Cardinals. All right, man, without any further ado, why don't we jump right into this here? Again, we're doing studs, duds, breakouts, and sleepers. Bobby and I have one player per category. We are not doing per position. We're doing per category. So we're going to have about eight to 10 players total here. And Bobby, I'll let you kick this off here. Why don't you get into your stud? Who is it and why? All right. Well, my stud is going to be Cooper Cup. Now, Cooper Cup 
reason why is there's a couple things that I love. Of course, Matthew Stafford coming in. If you haven't watched the highlight reels, it looks like they're already starting to connect early on in camp and training camp uh, and mini camps. My apologies. And I love the fact that when I was looking at Stafford's data, I look, I use slot versus wide. So football outsiders does DVOA, which is essentially basing your fantasy result versus uh, your playing result versus like an average defense. So DVOA, if you haven't heard about it, it's a fantastic resource. I suggest everybody go selfless plug advertise with us football outsiders anyway. Um, but basically Matthew Stafford, two of the last three seasons has been top three in DVOA when targeting the slot. So he has been one of the most efficient slot throwers in the NFL, which that's where Cooper cup makes his living. And this year with Gerald Everett out the door, some younger guys behind Tyler Higby, I expect that they run a lot more three receiver sets closer to what we saw in 2018, meaning Cooper Cup is going to be living in the slot. Now, in that same metric for DVOA, Jared Goff, two of the last three years, has been outside the top 15 in that metric. For quarterbacks, there's only 32. That makes him league average. So you're going from an average quarterback when targeting the slot to one of the best. But one thing I thought was notable, one season, Jared Goff, that was 2018, You'll see it scrolling at the bottom of your screen. There's a stat nugget there. In 2018, Goff had one of the best seasons of his career when targeting the slot. Cooper Cup in seven full games averaged 16.1 points per game in half-point PPR. That would have been the wide receiver four in 2020. So that level of upside, when you have an efficient, good thrower throwing to the slot, we have seen Cooper Cup completely dominate, and plus he's the top red zone threat in the offense. I'm in love with him. That's why he's my stud. His ADP right now, he's going – ECR 20, ADP uh, uh, overall 52. So he's going in the fifth round. So I think you can get four stud players, and then you're getting Cooper Cup as your flex. Come on. That's why I love Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup's been one of my favorite wide receivers for quite a while. Um, I seem to draft him. Him or, him or Robert Woods are always available in the fifth round. And like you just said, if you go two running backs heavy, they can easily be your wide receiver two usually. If you go zero RB somehow, then they're like your fourth running or fourth wide receiver. And uh, each one of those guys has low end RB or wide receiver upside. I love that. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I did my player profile on Matt Stafford and I broke down a lot of what you had just talked about, um, Bobby, but so much of the intrigue to Cooper Cup is not only himself personally, it's just Matt Stafford instead of Jared Goff coming into this offense. And Cooper Cup playing the slot, it's a lot of underneath routes. We know that Robert Woods and Cooper Cup are both very, very efficient in yards after catch, but it's also going to help deep down the field as well. And I'd mentioned on that episode, um, in the last two seasons, Matt Stafford is ranked uh, 93 grade from Pro Football Focus, and Jared Goff has a 776 grade and pro football focus for deep throws for yards over 20 so those are all pluses there for uh, cooper cup and again man we're talking individual studs here but uh i certainly appreciate cooper cup and i seem to get him wherever i possibly can as well um i should have kicked it off with this and i will do it moving forward um but i want to let the listeners know who according to how you and i are handling this with the uh nfc Let's see the NFC ADP currently for the last month. So which players are actually eligible? I think this is important because people are probably going to be like, why not mention this guy or this guy? There's particular parameters here we're going through uh, for these categories. So in the first to, uh, first to fifth round, the eligible players for what Bobby and I are breaking down for studs and duds are Cam Akers, DK Metcalf, 
DeAndre Hopkins, George Kittle, Kyler Murray, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, Chris Carson, Russell Wilson, and Tyler Lockett. So that's who we're picking from in this division in these first five rounds. I should have said that earlier. I will do that moving forward. Okay, let me dive into this here. You went through your stud. I'm going to give my stud, and it's no secret. It's my man, DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf is one of my favorite players in the NFL and for fantasy as well. DK Metcalf in 2020, in his second season, had 83 catches, 1,303 yards, and 10 touchdowns. That's up from 58 catches, 907 as a rookie, he improved by 25 receptions on 30 more targets, 400 more yards, and three more touchdowns. Most importantly, though, this is after a second-half slump. So if you had Tyler Lockett, Russell Wilson, or DK Metcalf in your fantasy leagues, you remember that all three of them were tops in their positions for the first eight weeks of the season. And then they started running the ball more. They weren't winning as many games as they wanted to. They started changing the pace, went back to running the the ball. And the Seahawks won more games, which is what they care about. But in fantasy, they started plummeting as far as the efficiency and the deep ball and throwing the ball. And Russ was not cooking in the second half the way that we saw him in the first half. So in weeks one through nine, DK Metcalf was the wide receiver three overall in PPR with 21 fantasy points per game, which was second behind only Devontae Adams. So he was third overall, but he was second in fantasy points per game of 21 behind only Devontae Adams. However, in weeks 10 through 17, when they switched philosophies, DK Metcalf was wide receiver 23 overall, but wide receiver 39 in PPR points per game. Now, you're probably thinking to yourself, well, why you know, are you expecting the upgrade if the second half of the season was them running the ball? I just don't see the Seahawks coming back and thinking to themselves that that was the right move. It hurt him in the playoffs. DK Metcalf, his his kryptonite so far has been Jalen Ramsey, but when he is not on Jalen Ramsey, he's catching touchdowns. He caught two touchdowns in the playoffs versus the Rams, so if he's able to make those big moves against bigger opponents, I think he's going to be fine. Dreaming big for myself here. A 16-game pace of DK Metcalf with his stats from week one through nine when he was the wide receiver three and two in points per game. Would have been 136 targets, 85 receptions, 1,576 yards, and 16 touchdowns. One per game last year in 16 games. Obviously, this year be 17. That would be good for wide receiver two overall and three in PPR fantasy points per game over the entire season. Behind only, of course, uh, Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill. So he went from the wide receiver two in the first half of the season to wide receiver 10 in the second half of the season. I don't see that happening again. Right now, DK Metcalf's going as the wide receiver six early in the second round. Again, picking DK Metcalf right there, he has to basically get, come close to a ceiling to pan out for you. I understand that, but I think he can even increase what he gave us, us last year because we saw it for the first half. We see the big games. I think he is definitely the number one over Tyler Lockett. We'll get into that in just a little bit. But for me, my stud in the rounds one through five out of the guys I had mentioned earlier, I'm going to go with DK Metcalf, wide receiver, for the Seattle Seahawks. All right, Sky, listen, I'm going to tell you some good news about DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf in 2020 saw 10 shadow coverage matchups. That's insane. Yeah. So he was shadowed by some of the top cornerbacks in the NFL in 10 games in 2020. Seven of them came in that second half of the year. He averages 17.2 points per game in non-shadow coverage games and 13.6 when he was shadowed. 
So 13.6 is still good, but he's not going to return value if he gives you 13.6. The great news is, number one, Patrick Peterson is no longer on the Cardinals, and he's one of the main guys that shut him down. That's two games now. He's got to deal with guys like Malcolm Butler. No thanks. I'm going to get take DK Metcalf. But if you look at his early season schedule, you know, right off the bat, you're talking the Cardinals no longer have a shadow coverage matchup for him. You have guys like, for example, the Colts who don't have any no- – Xavier Rhodes is way behind at Prime's prime. The Titans, who lost Malcolm Butler, placed him with Joris and Jake as they drafted kid in the first round. I don't think anybody's going to stay with him. And then, this, and then the Vikings, who ironically have Patrick Peterson now. So, But the good news is, for the most part, those shadow coverages are going to go down. I think he's definitely a buy in the second round, so I support you 100%. But I thought that was extremely notable for the stud piece. I think this is a great buy-low window on DK. Great call. And in Dynasty – it, I, I did. I was able to get him this offseason in one league, um, and uh, it took me Chris Godwin and the one twelve, and I got I got uh, DK Metcalf and Jamal Williams in a dynasty league. Wow! All right, Jamal. I, okay, I actually liked it. Jamal was just kind of a throw in piece, but it was one of those things like if DeAndre Swift goes down, I think Jamal Williams is eighty percent of DeAndre. Swift, easy. Um, so yeah. I like the package for me in general, and DK Metcalf to me is a ceiling, weak-winning wide receiver, whereas who knows what's going to happen post-Tom Brady with Chris Godwin, and frankly with Antonio Brown playing a whole season, Gronk staying healthy, O.J. Howard coming back in Tampa Bay. I, I like Chris Godwin a lot. I think he's going to get a ton of targets and work. I like DK over him, though, so that was really the win. The 112 I can deal without with a rookie wide receiver. So I was good with that uh, trade in Dynasty. Okay, man, let's move on here. Why don't we go into your dud? Yeah. Uh, so it is Cam Akers. Uh, and listen, we've talked about this a little bit off air. This, this is, is not a popular it, opinion. It, it, <laughs> yeah. This is a, this is not a, uh, we're not necessarily fading Cam Akers overall, but at round one, I am. I just, Here's a couple things about Cam Akers. I recently did an analysis on fantasy points per rush attempt. Behind closed doors, only a select few guys have seen it. Sky Guasco is one of them. Uh, and I basically looked at how many points, fantasy points, a running back generates per carry. Cam Akers, so league average is 0.58. Cam Akers was down at 0.51. What that tells me is that he's a volume-dependent scorer, meaning that he's not going to get if – if they dial back his touches – just a little bit, he's going to suffer drastically because he's a very dependent on the ground game. The Rams last year were 30th in the NFL in passing targets to the running back percentage and 32nd in 2019. So the last two years, they've been the bottom three in target percentage to running backs. So right there, it tells me that he's not going to get a big time. Matthew Stafford, listen, I know he's targeted a lot of running backs in his past, but when you have – The two receivers they have, plus Van Jefferson, Deshaun Jackson, Tyler Higby, I don't think they need to throw the running backs as much as they used to. And if he's not going to get the passing game work, he's going to be reliant on volume based on that stat. And if Daryl Henderson steps in and becomes a 1B or at least a solid 2 for this offense and they have to play together, I just don't buy him in the first round. So that's kind of why I'm I'm fading him in the first. I'd rather have guys that are that have those passing game roles like Austin Eckler in the first round, but that's why I'm kind of viewing him as more of a second round pick in 2021. I totally agree here, man. And and just for sake of conversation, I you and I kind of share each other's notes before the show just to make sure we're on the same page and know what's going on. And I actually also put down Cam Akers before we shared our notes. And then I was like, all right, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna audible and I, i'll pick another player here in just a second um which i think you and i actually disagree on which will be interesting 
I agree fully with you on this one with Cam Akers being a dud and a fade. I don't want to use the B word because I don't think he's going to be a bust <laughs> overall. No. But but when you're, you're right, right now, as you mentioned, he's going as the 11th pick overall. Um, there's other running backs that I would rather have in that general region. And there's other players in general, um, even, a, you know, a Travis Kelsey or, um, you know, a lot of these uh, high-end wide receivers um, from weeks. So, so the, the, the immediate argument for Cam Akers is what he did down the stretch. And we know that he, he exploded with a lot of these rookie running backs, which is awesome in the playoffs. He played very well. And, and uh, from week 13 on, he played very well. So the immediate argument is from week 13 acres averaged 21 and a half carries. That's a serious workload for anybody. 21 and a half carry average from week 13 on through the playoffs. Three targets as well in that game. Not crazy for PPR, but three targets is three targets. That's more than Derrick Henry's averaging for sure. He played 60% of the snaps over the last four games. So that efficiency is down a little bit. Darrell Henderson, who I may or may not get into later on, was not playing in the playoffs. Malcolm Brown was also in the mix last year. So he's gone. So there's this like... It's in, it's enticing to have Cam Akers, but as you mentioned, he's very volatile. And my concern is that even if he gets the volume behind this offensive line, is he going to be able to produce the way that people remember Todd Gurley producing and C.J. Anderson even, which is what I think we're excited about potentially seeing with Cam Akers, but I have my questions here. Two games of note to highlight the lack of efficiency for Cam Akers. Now, we had some huge games, as we know. I'm going to table those. Those are those are fantastic. But two games in particular, he was he had 21 carries for 72 yards. That's 3.4 yards per carry, and then he had 21 carries for 34 yards. 21 carries for 34 yards, 1.6 yards per carry in Week 17. Again, the first round draft pick is too much. I personally will take Eckler. I'll take Chubb even in PPR over uh, Cam Akers. I might even take your boy Ceh. Joe Mixon, Ooh. who I know our boy Joe Joe Volpe is a big fan of as well. Najee Harris is even somebody I would consider oh. because I I know he's getting three hundred plus touches, and even with that offensive line, how the Steelers use the the running back, and I think Najee Harris is a much better wide uh, pass catcher than anybody's giving him credit for. So personally, just running backs, I will take Eckler, Chubb, maybe Ceh Mixon and Najee Harris over Cam Akers. That, in my personal ADP, that pushes Cam Akers into the middle back end of the second round with everybody else included. If I can get Cam Akers in the back end of the second round, I think I'm up for that. But right now, he's the 11th pick overall. It may even grow if we see any big runs and highlights in preseason or anything like that. But right now, it's too rich for my blood. So I like the player, don't like the spot. Yeah, I don't know if you, you're going to bring up your boy Tyler Lockett. but uh I'm doing it right now. <laughs> yeah, just uh, – Go ahead. You got you got to make the argument first before I counter. But at the same time, I've already said what I had to say about Cam Akers before. But the one thing I will say too, though, is the Rams made big strides on the offensive line last year. They were sixth in adjusted line yards the year prior. They were one of the worst in the NFL. So that's good sign. They only lost their center too, so they're returning a lot of guys. So hopefully that continues to roll over next year. And again, Cam Akers, like labeling Cam Akers as a dud in the first round, this is definitely the one on the list that can come back and bite us in the ass. Right. I mean, if he does everything we think he's going to do and he finishes like top five running back or whatever, then he would be worth this ADP. I just don't think it's going to happen. And you don't either. Okay. I'm going to get into my dud here. Uh, Again, this is rounds one through five in this division specifically. 
I'm going to go with Tyler Lockett. I believe Bobby has a rebuttal, so I'm going to give my case first and let Bobby uh, see if he can convince you listeners otherwise. So I made my case for DK Metcalf already. So all of my DK Metcalf notes and 46% of Tyler Lockett's fantasy points last year came in three games. So we all remember his huge explosion versus Dallas in week three. His bigger explosion in week seven versus Arizona, 203 touchdowns. And then in week 17 versus my Niners, he went off for 33 as well. So those are great games, and it's it's great. That's a week winning performance. Unfortunately, 46, almost half, half of his fantasy points came in those three games. I'll break those down a little bit more here. 37 points in week three versus Dallas, 53 in week seven versus Arizona. And again, Patrick Peterson glued on DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett went off. And then you have uh, 33 points in week 17 versus my Niners. But if we microscope a little bit deeper in this, you even if you had Tyler Lockett, you may have not have even capitalized on two of those three performances. I'll explain why. In week three, when he went off for Dallas uh, for 37 points, you had him in your lineup. There's no reason you would have would not have had Tyler Lockett versus Dallas in week three. So you got those 37 points A+. plus In week four and week five, however, he had six catches for 83 total yards, no touchdowns, and 14.3 PPR fantasy points in those two games. Total in four and five. So you may have sat him after the bye week in week seven versus Arizona when he goes off for 53 fantasy points. There's a chance you sat him to start somebody else after two dud games because he's volatile anyway. Week 17, if you're doing it right last year, you didn't even play in week 17 due to the fantasy championships in week 16, so you may have missed out on that one as well. So there is a high percentage chance, even if you had Tyler Lockett, you only capitalized on week three for 37 points, may have benched him in week seven, missed out on 53 points, and shouldn't have been playing in general unless it was your championship game, which worked out in week 17 versus my Niners for 33 fantasy points. Another thing is, again, draft capital in the back of the fifth round-ish on that swing to even the sixth or middle fifth round. Other players getting drafted around him, I would rather have than Tyler Lockett. DJ Moore in PPR, I believe in my man Sammy D. I'm going to take Adam Thielen for one more year in uh, redraft leagues as well. 13 touchdowns inside the red zone. I know about Justin Jefferson. Thielen and Cousins have the link. Thielen was hurt last year. I'll take Thielen. I want to take your boy Cooper Cup as well, Bobby. Uh, I know you love – I know you're a big fan of Kenny Galladay. I'm going to pass just because I'm not sure about Daniel Jones and Kenny Galladay, so I'll take Lockett over Galladay. But I'm actually going to take T. Higgins, even with Jamar Chase coming in, and I'm going to take my man Brandon Ayuk also over Tyler Lockett. So, again, draft capital-wise, I'm going to take a few other wide receivers around him, pushing him back another round. Therefore, Tyler Lockett, along with Cam Akers, is my dud in the NFC West. Well, the rebuttal of that is, number one, 2020 was a bad year for Lockett consistency. But that's that's his outlier season. The previous two years, he was top 10 in consistency and averaging 10 points per game. So his 62.5% he averaged in back-to-back seasons. He averaged 10 points per game and half-point PPR in 10 and 62% of his games. So that's top 10 in the NFL. That's like – that's elite. Yeah, he had an outlier right. year. He had an outlier year last year where he was extremely inconsistent – but every single year, the last three years, he's finished as a top 15 receiver. Now he's going at wide receiver 25. I just think that in the fifth round, you're getting a ridiculous value. Of course, I'm going to take Cooper Cup over him because I'm really high on Cup. Um, just want to say one thing. I am not high on Kenny Galladay for fantasy. 
I'm a Giants fan, and I support my boy Kenny Galladay all day, but I just want to clarify <laughs> that I am not high on Kenny Galladay for fantasy. Just want to make sure we understand. But that's just kind of why I think Tyler Lott and this new offense that's bringing brought over by Shane Waldron, that Rams-style offense is going to make it easier for receivers. They were hitting – everything was deep shots, deep shots, deep shots. Yep. Brian Schottenheimer, run the ball, throw a deep shot. Yep. The the best thing about the Rams offense is that they create yards after the catch for their receivers, which generates a lot more easier fantasy points. And I think Tyler Lockett in the slot is going to benefit a lot from that and DK Metcalf. So I just think that yeah. in the fifth round, I'm all over it. See, that's interesting because when you bring up the, the yards after catch model, I don't think that that's a positive for Tyler Lockett. Yes, of course, if he catches a slant and he turns it into a 26-yard gain or something like that, then sure. But that's not Tyler Lockett's game. He's a great receiver, and him and him and Russell Wilson have made, I don't know, off the top of my head, probably four of the top ten catches in the NFL over the last two or three years. I mean, they're in sync, especially in the red zone, unbelievably. I don't take that away from you. They're very efficient, I understand, and I will also agree that it was an outlier season. However, the last three seasons, Tyler Lockett has been the number one since Doug Baldwin left. DK Metcalf was a rookie and a raw receiver. And he was still a raw receiver last year and surpassed Tyler Lockett. This year, I think there's no doubt that DK Metcalf's the number one. And yes, Tyler Lockett will have boom games. We know that. Russell Wilson likes him in the red zone. He should have the targets and the receptions. Uh, and he still had over 1,000 yards even in a down season. So again, I don't hate Tyler Lockett either necessarily. But in the fifth round with these other players, you throw in a couple RB2s in the mix. If you're going for a back end like a Hawkinson or an Andrews there around this point, if you're looking for one of these rushing high upside quarterbacks, if you do quarterback early, you know, um, Russell Wilson himself, Kyler Murray potentially, um, you know, you have some of these other guys that honestly, you know, Justin Herbert, you guys know I'm a big fan of. I would rather have all of those players and the wide receivers that I mentioned who are going right around Tyler Lockett than Tyler Lockett because I believe so much in DK Metcalf. And I just don't want to deal with the volatility of the boom the boom games and the four fantasy point per games, which we've seen with Tyler Lockett in the fifth round. If I was getting it in the seventh or eighth round, then I'm absolutely all about that. But in the fifth, again, a little bit too rich for me. I'm going to go with Tyler Lockett as my dud. Bobby, why don't you get into your breakout? Sure. So he's kind of a resurgent guy. It's Tyler Higby. And my thing with Tyler Higby is that Gerald Everett is gone. This is what all that matters to me. And listen, the final five games of 2019 were just epic. He averaged yeah. 17.1 points per game. That's Travis Kelsey numbers. That's how elite Tyler Higby was. But he got lost in the shuffle last year. They split targets. Gerald Everett returned in 2020. And now listen, we talked about this in our tight end. Our first ever podcast together, our tight end podcast. We talked about why we weren't high on Tyler Higby. We both had him right around tight end 12 because Tyler, Gerald Everett was back. And they split targets 59-59 in the regular season. And they basically split work evenly. And that's you can't get more even than 59-59 in targets. But if you combine their stats from last year, they had 85 receptions, 938 yards, and six touchdowns. That's 172 points and half point PPR. That's the tight end three in fantasy. Now you take that production with Gerald Everett gone, he's probably going to get probably 85 to 90%. There's a lot of young guys behind him that are not going to fill in the role. And Munden, I think it is, the Munden is the backup tight end who stepped in. He's a blocking tight end. So they use him more for blocking, and that allows Tyler Higby to run more routes. Plus we just saw 
T, uh, Matthew Stafford support a top four tight end in fantasy this year with TJ Hawkinson. So I just yeah. think that with a new quarterback upgrade, with how he's performed in the past, he's a huge bounce back, but he's going to officially break out this year. I think this is going to be the year I'm extremely high on him. I probably have him right now as my tight end eight. I'm debating Ooh. I need to make him even higher, but I am outside of the Goddard area. It's it's Higby for me, and I think that's a no-brainer because we've seen the upside. We see the offense, and with Matthew Stafford in town, you know, sky's the limit. This one I totally agree with you on, and I picked another player, again, for diversity in our conversation, but I'm absolutely all about Tyler Higby as well. Tight end seven, I believe you said, is a little – it's a little spicy. It's a little, uh, I said, little extra – I said eight. I said eight. All right. Still spicy. Tight end, it's tight the movie movie. Tight end eight, still <laughs> a bit spicy. Uh, for me, and again, our breakout candidates, these are round six to ten players in the NFC West. Chase Edmonds, Brandon Ayuk, Matt Stafford, uh, Raheem Mostert, Debo Samuel, um, Trey Sermon, James Conner, and Tyler Higby. Those are who are eligible for our breakout candidates. Um, again, Tyler Higby, I think, is a great call, Bobby. And we, again, if we get if we get half of his season like we did the final five games of 2019, he's going to probably be top five. And if any of the big yeah. five that we – big six, I guess, seven, if you want to include uh, Pitts already, um, you get – any of those guys falter, um, all of a sudden you have an opening there and it's wide open. And we do see it. Look, a couple years ago it was it was, it was um, George Kittle. It was Zach Ertz before that. It was Mark Andrews after that. It was Darren Waller after that. Every year there's somebody that comes up. It was your boy Logan Thomas and Robert Tunyon last year out of nowhere. So um, Tyler Higby right now has a, has a deep um, ADP for his upside there, and I like that a lot for a breakout candidate. Yeah, he's going to pick 110. That's 10th round. So he's at the edge of this bracket. He's, he's almost a sleeper uh, based on how we're doing things. And, that's, and that, that value is insane. And that's just another reminder about drafting tight ends. The tight end 10 is going in the 10th round versus the tight end, let's say, 4 and 5 are going typically in the 4-5 range. So you're yeah. getting this guy – five rounds later think about the receivers you could stack up in that range yep. uh and still get a guy like higby in the 10th 100 percent. nice nice call on, on tyler higby i'm with you behind that one oh, absolutely all right i'm gonna get into my breakout here and i'm gonna go with brandon Ayuk. love brandon Ayuk for my 49ers here going as wide receiver 27 he is in the front half of this bracket actually he's about in the sixth round he led all rookie wide receivers last year with eight targets per game he led all 49ers in targets that includes George Kittle, Debo Samuel, and the rest with 96 as a rookie. He was wide receiver three in PPR points per game over weeks seven through 15. So like a lot of rookies, he had to kind of, you know, pay his dues and then Debo got hurt and George Kittle got hurt. And he came on into the scene as the number one and number two, basically passing option for Nick Mullins, CJ Beathard. Neither are on the team. Jimmy Garoppolo, when he was healthy, he's not going to be on the team halfway through the season. So he was playing with basically two quarterbacks who aren't going to start. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to probably be a backup somewhere else, if not for the 49ers in the second half of the season. And Debo Sam, or excuse me, Brandon Ayu came in as a rookie and handle business wide receiver three in points per game behind only Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams. His third, uh, see 12 and a half yards per reception are similar to Adam Thielen, 12 and a half, Allen Robinson, 12 and a half, DeAndre Hopkins, 12 and a quarter, Amari Cooper, 12, and Stephon Diggs, 12 yards per reception. 
everybody would draft each one of these guys ahead of Brandon Ayuk. And Brandon Ayuk was better technically than everybody uh, except for Adam Thielen by just a, a fuzz on yards per reception. Also, diving a little bit deeper here, he plays the X receiver this year for Kyle Shanahan. People in the fantasy world have been talking about this for Kyle Shanahan for years, dating all the way back to Andre Johnson for the Houston Texans, who had 171 targets. That's pretty good. Then we had Pierre, Gar Pierre Garçon. Remember him? <laughs> who was awesome with Peyton Manning for a minute. He goes to Washington, and he was okay for a year with RJ3. 181 targets, but that's not the best yet. My man Julio Jones with the Atlanta Falcons a couple years ago, 203 targets out of the ex-wide receiver position for Kyle Shanahan. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that that Brandon Ayuk is Julio Jones. I'm not saying that he's Andre Johnson. He may not even be Pierre Garçon yet. What I'm saying is he may have the opportunity to see 150 minimum, 170, 180 targets, even with Debo back and George Kittle as well. And finally, I think the immediate argument to Brandon Ayuk is that Debo was out. George Kittle was out. Um, the, all the running backs were out. Their defense was destroyed, and they were behind in games. And I will say you're absolutely correct on every one of those. That is true. But when you prorate all of the target shares to account for the games missed from George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, and Debo Samuel, George Kittle still leads with target share, no surprise there, 24% of the target share in games that he played. Brandon Ayuk was ahead of Debo Samuel, though, by 5.5%. 23% for Brandon Ayuk target share, just 1% behind George Kittle, and Debo Samuel with 17 and a half. Now, in the games that they all played together, George Kittle, again, had the most targets, and Debo and Ayuk were kind of neck and neck there. So if you're playing apples to apples with Ayuk and Debo, I'm actually going to give the edge in year two to Brandon Ayuk. Another thing that I like a lot is even with Jimmy, with Jimmy's here, it's dink and dunk. We saw that, right? It you know Debo Samuel famously has a what a two point two a dot or something ridiculous from last year, but when you have Trey uh, Trey Lance coming in, who has a stronger arm, a deeper arm down the field, that's going to benefit a guy like Brandon Ayuk, who's a field stretcher, versus Debo Samuel, who gets a lot of his yards around the uh, line of scrimmage, like a Cooper Cup or a Robert Woods. So my breakout in the sixth round from my 49ers is my man Brandon Ayuk. You know, I there's I don't know if I'm gonna have a lot of Brandon Ayuk. I just think that because of the change of quarterback potentially to Trey Lance, who knows what he's gonna look like as a thrower his first year? Is he gonna be more? Is it gonna be more fantasy involved because of his legs? Um, George Kittle and and Debo. I listen. It, to be honest with you, we we think too much about this stuff, and sometimes guys who get hurt, they just continue to get hurt. We devalue Ayuk, and then sure enough, he might be the only guy on the field again. So because these guys can't stay healthy, especially Debo. So. But Debo's going three rounds later, so you're getting Debo a much deeper discount. You just brought up the fact that their target share was kind of similar when they played in games together with George Kittle. So it's just like you're getting a guy who's probably going to get roughly the same amount of targets three rounds later, and Debo offers you that ex that he's been dominant on a per-touch basis. So, yep. you know, I, I just don't know how much I'm going to have a youth. Then you have, like, guys like Odell and a Tyler Boyd, for example, going in that little bit after him that um, I just think Tyler Boyd in that offense is going to have so much more passing volume and then Odell is just, we've seen it with him. We've seen it like you know, it was five years ago at this point, but we've seen wide receiver one upside with Odell. And it's just, you know, but that's just my thought. But I like Brandon Ayuk as a player. I'm in my only uh, dynasty league. So I'm in. Fair enough. And, and, you know, we're, we're talking breakouts here. And also, 
I want to reiterate this. We're going to say it probably too much here while we do these breakdowns. We're talking about eligible players, not only in the sixth to 10th round, but specifically in this division. So again, other players I could have talked, Edmonds, uh, Stafford, Mostert, Debo, Samuel, Sermon, Connor, and Higby. So you picked Higby. I agree totally. As far as a breakout, I had to go with uh, Brandon Ayuk, who just makes the most sense out of this group. I kind of agree with you. Um, when I get to the sixth round and I'm looking around, I, I may not end up with a ton of Brandon Ayuk either because he, in my drafts, he's probably going to be my wide receiver three or so. Mm -hmm. um, however, again, I think that he does have wide receiver two upside. You're getting him as your wide receiver three. And if Trey Lance can gun it, which he can, and he's looked great in camp from everything I've seen, um, it's just a different wide receiver. And if he gets anything close to the work of 150, 160 plus targets in this position for Shanahan, sky's the limit on an equally dominant player as Debo Samuel, right? They have a they have a type of player they like in San Francisco. We all know that Debo is a, a, a you know a crash dummy kind of a thing, right? Very aggressive. So is George Kittle. That's why they're hurt. If Brandon Ayuk can stay healthy, he's the same type of dude, and I like him as my breakout. Okay, Bobby, let's get into the sleepers. Before you do this, um, now you may have a different guy here, so so cut me off. We have sleepers and we have deep sleepers. Yeah. So sleepers are going to be rounds eleven to fourteen, and then deep sleepers is rounds fifteen to infinity. Um. I have just a couple of names and a couple of players in this division, in this range. So I'm interested to see who you went with here for your sleeper, NFC West, rounds 11 to 14. Yeah, I, I mean, I cheated a little bit. I, I, I think I extended to round 15 for sleeper, but I'm, I'm going with Rashad Penny. Now, the thing with Penny is he just can't stay healthy. He recently had another procedure done on his knee, and I totally get it. And he's going this late for a reason. But – Things you have to know, Rashad Penny has that first-round running back pedigree. And the Seattle Seahawks, I know Shane Waldron's the new OC, but Pete Carroll, that, those, that GM, that team wants Rashad Penny to succeed. And Penny, when he's played, has averaged over five yards per carry on 161 career uh, rushes. That's pretty good. So he's been good on the field. In 2019, before his knee injury, the final two games, they started to feature him more. He had back-to-back -back games in Week 12 and Week 13. He had 14 carries, 129 yards, and a touchdown. And then another game in Week 13, 15 carries, 74 yards, and a touchdown. And then he got hurt. So I think when you're you're starting to see Penny gain some steam, even with Chris Carson there. On top of that, Carl, and listen, as a standalone running back in this area, I just think that he's Carlos Hyde is vacating about 10 opportunities a game, eight carries two receptions, but Penny offers a little bit more burst than Carlos Hyde. I think Carlos Hyde was a nice backup running back for Carlos um, for Chris Carson, but I think Rashad Penny offers a little more explosion to Chris Carson's bruising style. And that 10, that 10 opportunities could be um, low-end flex, maybe in deeper leagues, but Chris Carson, keep in mind, only played 12 games last year, and his physical running style has been prone to get nicked up. So you could see Rashad Penny step in at some point this year to be the starter, finally fulfill like that pedigree. But like we've talked about in the past, he's one of our favorite like dynasty dumpster dives. Like guys that might have given up on Rashad Penny, you might be able to get him super cheap in dynasty. Number one, because he's going to be a free agent next year. And number two, he has that draft pedigree. He's shown it on the field. So I think he's a good sleeper. Even in redraft, I think he's worth a late round pick. 
Boy, um, I just don't know if I can I can sign up for it. It's just it's like it's just the headache that I don't know that I'm I'm up for. Now you know, again, him going at the end of this range in the 14th round, fair. Just to give folks some an idea of you know this is where the defenses start going. The Rams football team, Buccaneers, Steelers are around here. Adam Troutman, Zach Ertz, Henry Ruggs, Jamison Crowder, Sam Darnold, Jameis Winston. So you're talking backups across the board anyway. But there are – I mean, there's even other running backs, rookie running backs, backup running backs, PPR guys that I might take a chance on just because, unfortunately, I, I just don't have the confidence in Rashad Penny. Now, one thing I, I appreciate that you brought up a couple times with Rashad Penny, Bobby, is – the buy low if you want draft low kind of a thing and see if it happens with the free agency he can get another opportunity if he can actually stay healthy but look back to back years with big time injuries is is trouble and i know he's been effective on the field and look i'm not saying he's dalvin cook by any means but dalvin cook had his first two seasons essentially ruined for injuries and he's dalvin cook so if Rashad penny can bounce back and be healthy and chris carson who has been injured from time to time um, if he becomes that lead guy for even half a season, that's going to be incredible value in the 14th round. So I don't hate it necessarily. Um, there's just, I, for some reason, I can't get behind the, this will be the year for Rashad Penny. He's going outside the top 50 running backs and going outside the 150. I'm not, and listen, we've, we're talking about NFC West players that we can yep. think of a breakout. Sorry, my screen just went black. So ooh, it's all spooky, right? Oh <laughs> man. Talk about sleepers. Um, but yeah, and I, listen, I probably I'm not even sure. I'd have to be in the draft. I'd have to take a deeper dive. But if we're talking about NFC West, I, I see the guy that pops out to me as someone that could do something. But I like guys that's shown it on the field. I can in, in it's a low risk investment. If you're yep. drafting him outside the 150 and three weeks in, he's doing nothing. He's not even getting 10 touches a game, and Chris Carson's on a on a war path, you can drop him. Yep, absolutely fair. All right, we got our deep sleepers. Here, uh, or my uh, sleeper, excuse me, I'm jumping ahead. Going to my sleeper here, and I kind of got into this a little bit, um, but I'm going to back up my take on my dud for Cam Akers. My sleeper is Darrell Henderson. So per my man, Mike Taglier, shouts out to our boy Tags. Of course, you can go find him on Twitter. Incredible follow on Twitter. Mike Taglier, NFL, Fantasy Pros. He was on our uh, 400th episode as our special guest. Per Mike Taglier, Cam Akers, had two more touches than Darrell Henderson in 2020. However, Darrell Henderson finished with 35 more total yards and three more touchdowns. He also broke more tackles more consistently than Cam Akers. So that doesn't say that Cam Akers is not as good as Darrell Henderson per se, but what it says is Darrell Henderson might be as good as Cam Akers. And let's not forget that he was injured a lot of last season. He didn't miss a lot of games per se, but he was injured a lot, which then led to Malcolm Brown taking a lot of work, especially goal line stuff. And then Cam Akers eventually took over in the second half of the season. Uh, Darrell Henderson scored 19 or more PPR fantasy points in three of his first five games before a stretch of tough defenses. And then, of course, Cam Akers taking over. And Henderson didn't play in the postseason, as I mentioned, with injuries. And that's when Cam Akers went off for 28 for 131-1 and at Seattle and then 18 for 90 and one at Green Bay. I expect Sean McVay to utilize more of a 60-40 committee 
with Cam Akers, which I know nobody in Cam Akers camp wants to hear, but I truly believe <laughs> that's the case. That's not and, good. <laughs> and I don't see I, – I just – look, even if that ratio is 70-30, 75-25, which I just don't think it'll be that much Cam Akers, even if it is that much, still bell cow, quote-unquote. That's not what Zeke and Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara and, and, and uh, you know, Henry and CEH or uh, CMC, obviously, and, you know, are getting where you're getting. That's a first-round running back workload. I don't see Cam Akers getting that. Another big thing is you have, again, Matt Stafford comes in, so maybe he gets a bunch of catches because Matt Stafford's been known to dump it off for years with Theo Riddick and everybody else. However, I still think they're going to push the ball downfield. Um, which could be good for scoring opportunities, I guess. But Darrell Henderson's been very efficient running the ball as well and catching the ball when healthy. Um, and I guess last thing would be it is very uh, known that Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan are BFFs, and Sean McVay wants to model his run game at least after the 49ers, who we know are extremely injured, unfortunately, but very efficient no matter who they're running out there. They had a UDFA last year, undrafted free agent, Jamichael Hasty going nuts, right? Jeff Wilson, who nobody knew about until last year, was going nuts because that's just the scheme. If they run that and they run more of a committee with running backs, that's going to be trouble for Akers, and I think Darrell Henderson has serious opportunity. You just mentioned all the things about Rashad Penny with Chris Carson and what if, what if, what if. Well, what if with Darrell Henderson with what I think might be a better running offense in general and probably a higher scoring offense in the Rams and the Seahawks, and you're getting you know, Darrell Henderson also in this 11 to 14 range. So I'm going to take a flyer on Darrell Henderson. I just picked him up in the Scott Fishbowl. I feel really good about it, and I don't think he's going to take over for Akers, but I think it's a committee at, at minimum, and if Akers gets hurt or isn't productive, then I do think Darrell Henderson can run away with it. So I brought up a stat earlier about Cam Akers averaging 0.51 fantasy points per rush attempt. Daryl Henderson actually was at 0.67. So he averaged Ooh. nearly 0.18 more on a per you're, you're carry. Still, you're still on my flames here. I know. So it's, he was – it's just flat out he was more effective as a runner um, in generating fantasy points per carry. I think very rarely do I say this, but I think Daryl Henderson is a very – is a must-grab draft pick for Cam Akers owners. I think like it's you see and Tony Pollard, you talk about these guys all the time, but Daryl Henderson doesn't have the Tony Pollard or Alexander Madison price tag. You're getting him much cheaper. So I just think that you should, as the Cam Akers owner, if you're dra- if you love Cam Akers, I don't care how much you love him in the first round, if you're not taking Daryl Henderson at the pick 150 range, um, just to cover your own bleep, then you're doing it wrong. I just think that there's certain things that we you should see how it plays out. Give it a week or two. The best part, too, is what Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers will probably know within the first two weeks how they're going to deploy these guys. If it's closer to 60-40, then Henderson's going to have flex value. If it's a full-blown workhorse, you could drop Henderson or keep him as your handcuff if you have deeper benches. So I think this is a great call. Darrell Henderson is going currently in the 12th round of NFC ADP, and both Pollard and Madison are going in the in the back of the 10th. So you're getting Henderson more or less two rounds later um, so again, with that price tag and look, everybody likes Pollard and, and Madison and they're always drafted early. I've drafted them plenty, but other than what, two or three games last year with Pollard, how often have those guys actually panned out? Right. Because Zeke and cook are so dominant 
we don't know that Cam Akers is that guy yet. I'm going to take the flyer on Darrell Henderson. All right, Bobby, we got maybe one, one couple more guys here. This is kind of a funky round here because there's just so many guys, 15th round forever. I'm going to roll through a handful of names here. Give me a guy or maybe one or two, and we'll just kind of spitball a few names to get people some deeper dynasty names, maybe last round in, in redraft, um, but in deeper leagues or maybe even off of waiver wires at this point in dynasty leagues, you might be able to find them. Jeff Wilson, hurt. I get it. He might miss half the season. Dude's a beast. Rondale Moore, rookie for the Cardinals. Uh, Gerald Everett, Christian Kirk, A.J. Green, Jimmy Garoppolo, Van Jefferson, Wayne Gallman, John Jackson, Jalen Hurd, and there's a handful of other guys that are way deep down the list here as far as rookies. Or I mean, Muhammad Sanu is like a sneaky wide receiver four on the 49ers who's doing really well in camp right now. So who is maybe like the guy you want out of this range and maybe two or three uh, that you would have confidence in with the 15 to 18th round? So we talked about this a little bit off air, but I think it's the Rams wide receiver three, whoever that becomes. We talked our deep name was Deshaun Jackson. Now, Deshaun Jackson, listen, he has not stayed healthy. He's eight, heading into his age 34 season. We've talked about age analysis. We know that he might have another year or two left in him. Um, the end is coming. It's coming soon, but it's not yet. Yeah. But Deshaun Jackson is one of those guys where I feel it's really – if camp is going to matter. So if training camp happens and Deshaun Jackson's playing ahead of Van Jefferson and he's playing in three receiver sets, you have to draft him. You have to. I'm sorry, but you have to draft him in any league. I'm, it's just because the fact that this is what this is the kind of stuff that Sean Jackson does. Okay, 2019 comes in first week with uh, Carson Wentz and company, eight for 154 and two. <laughs> Everybody in the world's going to want him that week. 2020, he comes back from injury, one catch, 81 yards, touchdown with Jalen Hurts. Like this is this is the kind of stuff where you know I you, you just. At the last round pick, Deshaun Jackson, we've seen this Rams offense under Sean McVay support three t- elite receivers. In 2018, the Rams offense had three receivers average 13.5 points per game or more in half-point PPR. So it's been it's happened before that this offense has been great for three receivers. We know Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are locked in. But also on the flip side of all this is that if Van Jefferson wins the job, that personally gives me a lot of confidence in Van Jefferson. We just talked about me and Sky just talked about. He ran a four three nine in the forty. He's he's fast. He's he's under four four. He can get deep. I, I just think that if Van Jefferson beats out Deshaun Jackson, that's like a great benchmark. This is what I'm talking about. We know if he beats out Deshaun Jackson, he's ready to play and contribute with a veteran quarterback on a team that's ready to win right now. So if, if Van Jefferson wins the number three job, I'm buying Van Jefferson. If it's Deshaun Jackson, I'm buying Deshaun Jackson. That's it. So it's the Rams wide receiver three. I love it. And Matt Stafford loves to chuck it deep, right? All the way back to Calvin oh. Johnson, Kenny Galladay. Now he's got um, Justin, or uh, uh, Deshaun Jackson. And you're right. If they're going to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, play action, all the linebackers and the safeties have to account for Cup and Woods over the middle like you just mentioned. It's Deshaun Jackson's the cheat code down the middle. He's going to be yeah. 15 yards open every once in a while, and Matt Stafford has the arm and accuracy to get it to him. Okay, man, we'll end up on this one here. My deep sleeper, Jalen Hurd. So I've been, I have been tongue-in-cheek-ish about Jalen Hurd on this podcast for about three years. Now, for all of you non-49er fans who don't even know who Jalen Hurd is, that's fine, and I don't blame you. This kid is an animal. He was a running back at Tennessee, 
went to Baylor, was a dominant wide receiver, got drafted by the 49ers, and he had a back issue and a torn ACL. He hasn't played a down in the NFL yet, coming into his third season. I just gushed about Brandon Ayuk, and I stand by that claim. I love Debo Samuel as well. I've said on this podcast more than five times, if Jalen Hurd was healthy and he had the same repetition as Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that he is the best wide receiver on the 49ers, pound for pound, straight up, just a wide receiver. Now, he hasn't even played yet. He's a deep threat. He's a big body, 6'2 plus. He was a running back with Alvin Kamara at Tennessee before they both, you know, went their separate ways. Jalen Hurd is my sneaky, you know, 20th round. And first of all, he's got to be healthy. He's healthy currently. That's why I've even been talking about him. But keep an eye on Jalen Hurd, who hasn't played yet, but nobody is looking for him. He's free in wi- yeah. waiver wires. He's free in Dynasty. Why not? Why not pick him up other than like a, a fifth string rookie that you heard some hype about this summer? Get a guy like Jalen Hurd who has the capital and they want him to succeed. They could have cut him after two years of injuries. They're keeping him around. Dude's a beast. Look out for Jalen Hurd. A couple of the names, Bobby, I'm just going to float around. We don't have to spend too much time on these guys. But again, deep sleepers in this division. Jeff Wilson, you're going to have to burn eight weeks, but he's plummeting now, right? He was like a, he was about, I think it was like a ninth or 10th round um, draft pick before he got hurt. He got out of a chair incorrectly in the locker room, right? Tore his meniscus. Now he's out to half of the season, but he's in the 15th round. Why not? When he came in for the last three weeks of the season last year, he was dominant. Look for Jeff Wilson if you need him, Raheem Mostert and uh, Trey Sermon, kind of that third wheel handcuff. Rondale Moore. If Larry Fitzgerald doesn't play or he's not as active, which he wasn't last year, love me some fits. You can see it right behind me if you're watching the screen. Love me some fits. Hall of Famer, dude, you know, he's in the, the best dudes of all time Hall of Fame as well, but he's done. And if Rondale Moore can come in and be that guy over the middle learning from Fitz, absolutely love it. Gerald Everett, you and I both like him a lot for Seattle, the new tight end over there. Love him there. Christian Kirk, we've been taking flyers on him for years, but he's another deep sleeper. Look, A.J. Green is not A.J. Green. But there are some camp reports last year out of Cincinnati that with Joe Burrow going down, Joe Mixon going down, that team just in the dumpster halfway through the season, A.J. Green may or may not have been able to come back halfway through last season, and they benched him. They were just like, look, dude, you're in a contract year. He didn't want to play because he didn't want to get re-injured and and not get paid. They didn't want him to play because he wasn't very efficient, and they had no quarterback. So A.J. Green might have some left in the tank as well, worth a flyer. Jimmy Garoppolo, you guys know how I feel about Jimmy, but if you need a – Second round, uh, a second quarterback, a third quarterback. Nobody's drafting him because of the um, excitement of Trey Lance. So you can get Jimmy for at least the first six weeks. And then, of course, Jefferson, as we mentioned, Tutu Atwell, I would say not draft him. But again, second round draft capital. Wayne Gallman, another backup running back. There's a lot of deep guys in this division here, Bobby. Is there anyone in particular you want to shine maybe, you know, 30 more seconds of light on here in this group? Well, first is Jalen Hurd. I think I think this is the thing about Jalen Hurd. Brandon Ayuk got hurt last year. Debo Samuel got hurt this year, uh, last year. And it just takes one of those guys to get hurt. If he is actually playing in three receiver sets, if he earns that third receiver role, and then you find that out in training camp and you hear, see it in preseason, he's one injury away from having a prominent role and you can get him in the in the 20th round. So mm. I, I, do, I don't hate it. The other one is A.J. Green. You know, there's been stats out there that talk about how the t- accuracy percentage – when Joe Burrow targeted, even Joe Burrow, when he targeted A.J. Green, it was below 60% catchable balls. So it wasn't like Joe Burrow was hitting A.J. Green and A.J. Green was just an old guy and he couldn't catch the ball. 
it might have been some of the fact that there was no chemistry and he didn't want to be in Cincinnati anymore. So don't ignore camp reports about A.J. Green. If you see that he's the number two behind uh, Hopkins, take the flyer. Don't ignore it. This is a, They want to be the air raid. They want to go four wide. They want to do the Cliff Skeensbury, and they need A.J. Green and, and Hopkins on the outside. So if Green is, is actually performing well in camp and in preseason, take the flyer. I love it. Love it, man. That wraps up our studs, our duds, our breakouts, our sleepers. Just a couple of deep sleepers as well for everybody. For the NFC West specifically, again, there's a lot of names. You're probably like, why not this guy? If they're not in this division, we didn't mention it. If they are in this division and we didn't mention them, make sure to leave a comment right here on our YouTube channel. You can check us out. Make sure to subscribe right here to the YouTube. When you're listening on podcast, it would be super, super helpful to us if you would download the episode. Make sure to download it. Make sure to save it. You can archive it. Come back on us. Yes. Bobby and I are talking all summer long. When you're thinking like, hey, you know, Sky mentioned this random guy for the 49ers, and I think he's been doing pretty well in camp. Let me cycle back. Oh, yeah, Jalen Hurd. You know, Bobby's talking about this guy, whatever. Make sure you download the podcast, please. When you're listening, we'd appreciate it. Make sure to share it out there. Follow me on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore TCKpod and follow Bobby at fantasyfootball.com. X Factor. You can follow us both on Twitter at our names, Sky Guasco and Bobby Lamarco. Before we get out of here and we turn the page, we do want to give a shout out to our sponsors quickly. Bobby, let's just alternate the friends at the Jersey Jungle. I may have to get myself a Jalen Hurd before it's too sold out from the Jersey Jungle. Go to the Jersey Jungle, DM them on Instagram, the Jersey Jungle. Hit up the promo code TCK, 10% off of one or two jerseys, 15% off of three jerseys. Again, they have NFL. We have the All-Star break happening as we speak this weekend here. We have uh, uh, playoff hockey just ended, playoff basketball. We have the finals going on right now. You can get World Cup soccer, Euro soccer as well if you're into that. Make sure to go check out the Jersey Jungle DM on Instagram, the Jersey Jungle and use the promo code TCK for 10 to 15% off. Bobby, why don't you pick one of the other two and get into it? All right, man. Draft of Red Zone is one of our new sponsors. And this is the best part about with everybody getting back together, in-person drafts are now going to be a, the reborn and back to back to the best. And I want I want everyone to feature Red Zone draft board. So it's draftwithredzone.com. Essentially what you're going to be getting is not just a draft board. You're going to get a little bit of everything. You get a championship ring, which I think is the coolest part of this because championship rings alone cost like $50. You get a championship ring with your purchase. You get customized engraved ring case, a last place sign. You also get cheat sheets brought to you by Fantasy Points, one of the better sites out there, is included with your package. The best thing is you get it for $79 in July. So if you pre-order now and get it in July, it's only $79. You get use the code TCK and get an additional 10% off. So go to www.draftwithredzone.com for more details. And finally, our friends at Bomb Banana, banana-based hot sauce, not banana-flavored. Use the promo code TCK for 10% off your order there as well. Seek the spice. Dot com. You guys know that we love to put the bomb banana hot sauce on everything we can find. The white label is a bit more mild for those of you that aren't into the heat. Those of you that like the heat and the spicy takes, make sure to grab the muy muy. That's the red. That's the red label there. Go to seekthespice.com. Bomb banana hot sauce, banana based, not banana flavored. Promo code TCK for 10% off. All right, Bobby. We're going to be back here with the rest of the week here for the NFC West. If you haven't listened to our 
AFC West breakdowns yet from last week. Make sure to go do that. Once again, follow Bobby and I on Instagram and on Twitter. And of course, tell your friends and your family about the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, a.k.a. TCK Pod. This is episode 410. We'll catch you next time. For my man, Bobby LaMarco, I'm your host, Sky Guasco. We are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.